Good morning, everybody. If you want to turn to Matthew chapter 4, we'll also have the words come up on the screen. Also, just a warm welcome to those that are visiting us this morning, and, uh, and just really glad you're, you're part of us here this morning. And this week in our community series, we're looking at the values of being a family of Christ followers who make disciples. Now, I think we need to start with explaining what a disciple is. You might think it's just another label for being a Christian. I'm I'm a disciple. I'm a Christian. But it's so much more than that. In Matthew 4, we pick up Jesus' life at the beginning of his ministry. He's at the beginning of the three years uh, that he would be on the earth, or three years in his ministry, before he would go to the cross. And knowing his time short, we see what Jesus focuses his time and attention on the most. So we pick it up in verse 18 of Matthew 4. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. First of all, a disciple is a follower of Jesus. Now, we, now, being a follower in our culture today can mean not very much, can mean very little, actually more based on celebrity status. In our culture today, we, we follow someone because we like them or because they've achieved something. So footballer Cristiano Ronaldo has 318 million followers on Instagram. I'm sure none of those people know him. None of them have benefited from, from his wisdom or, or things, but... But singer Justin Bieber has 202 million followers on Instagram. His fans call themselves believers. But in our culture, we tend to stop following people when we stop liking them. On the other hand, people are also influenced by those they follow. Former President Donald Trump had 8 million followers on Twitter and And his followers shared his political views, and and it moved them to actions and and even demonstrations. And I think it's important even even for for kids to recognize that that the friends that you hang out with influence the things you think about, what you say, what your actions and your attitudes. And it's important to think about who you're following. So a question that we all need to ask ourselves is, how is who I'm following having an influence in my life and my attitudes, and my actions. But the second part, Jesus goes on to say in verse 19, he said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So being a disciple of Jesus is following Jesus in such a way that makes us more like Jesus. Jesus wasn't simply gathering a following. Just as being a disciple is not just attending church. We're not just gathering numbers to see how many people that we can gather. But it's together, we're following Jesus in a way that makes us more and more like him. To be with him, to become like him, and to do what he did. And you remember from last week, we talked about the value of us being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we said that the Holy Spirit in us is God alive in our hearts. And it's also that being filled with the Holy Spirit that stirs us more to want to be more like Jesus. So let's look for a few minutes on how did Jesus disciple? How did Jesus make them more like him? 
If we move forward a little bit, if you go a little further in Matthew, later on in Matthew 16, we see two qualities that Jesus demonstrated in his discipling. It says in Matthew 16, verse 13, that when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, some others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But who do you? But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And I thought it's first of all interesting to notice that Jesus asked about the people. Who do the people say I am? Those that were maybe observing Jesus from a distance. That who, did they have an opinion or a view of Jesus or a perspective of who he was? But then those that were closer to him, say, like, G, like Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied to Peter, he said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus was was acknowledging and inviting him into a closer relationship with him. Jesus gave him a name, Peter, Rock. And we do that ourselves, don't we? We give someone a nickname to reflect our friendship and our relationship. You know, my name is Mike, and Ruth will call me Michael when I'm in trouble, but also those friends around me call me Bali. It's a reflection of, of friendship, of belonging and connection. In Acts, Barnabas was known by his friends to be Barnabas because he's the son of encouragement. And think about how Peter must have felt. Jesus called me a rock. <laughs> and also, Jesus offered the invitation to draw closer to him by simply saying, follow me. And part of being a disciple is having close relationships in our lives where we're mutually giving our time and access to our lives to bring love and encouragement to each other by, by pointing us each to Jesus. Think about those people that have influenced your life to give you, by giving you their time or their attention. When I was a teenager, teenager in school, there was a, a teacher who would, who would take us out to do photography on Saturdays. And, and it was a really significant time in my life because my parents had been divorced and I didn't really have a father in my life. But, but this person who I found out to be a Christian just gave his time to, to make a better, better way for my life and, and to encourage me even in the photography I love today. My, uh, the, my, my pastor in Canada, John Sire, we called, I called him coach. But yeah, I had lots of conversations as I was growing up about, about what it means to be a Christian. But but Coach also encouraged me when it was Valentine's Day and I was in Canada and Ruth was in England to send her flowers. And so I sent $20 from Canada to England and Ruth got 23 roses on Valentine's Day. Well, the relationship got quite better after that, that's for sure. <laughs> Thank you, Coach. But we want to be close enough to clearly see Jesus at work in each other's lives. And in our relationships are opportunities to be encouraged, but also the benefits of others encouraging and teaching us. It's also being close enough to be able to see how we handle our problems when things aren't going well, how we deal with crises, how we we grow in our imperfections, when we're struggling with depression, when, when our kids are in crisis, when moments when life doesn't seem to make sense, 
But all we can do is trust Jesus. And it's in those moments when we're close together that we realize that we're not alone in those things. The principle of invitation is asking the question, is my life open to relationships, open to others to draw closer? Maybe it's, maybe it's for you, it's trust to, to allow people closer to, to help you to grow. Maybe it's dealing with hurts and offenses that have broken those close relationships you've had in the past. Maybe it's taking the invitation to be part of a community group or, or be part of a running partner's or simply getting together with some folks to be more to be more and more like Jesus. Now, we must acknowledge that it's hard work being with people. <laughs> you know, church brings out our insecurities, doesn't it? And each of us are in different places in our journey with that. And sometimes it's not even by a lack of effort of our own. Yet sometimes we can think that it's just a lot safer just to stay in our own head, to stay in our own hearts, just to, to keep in our own inner world. When my, when my, as I said, when my parents were divorced, I was about 10 years old. And the way that I cope with this, I just thought, I'm not going to trust anyone. I'm going to put up the walls. I'm going to live behind these walls. I'm not going to give in because anytime I let down my, law, my walls, I just get hurt. And as time went on, I realized that Jesus was after my heart. And I kept saying, no, don't give in. You're just going to get hurt. But when I live behind those walls, I just end up being safe but stagnant. But Jesus was after more of my heart, and I'm so thankful that he didn't leave me as I was. So Jesus invited them to draw closer in relationship. But then interestingly, if you just go two or three verses on in this story, in verse 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and to suffer many things at the hands of of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, that he must be killed and on the third day to rise to life. You see, this was about the time. Jesus started talking about the fact that his time on earth was going to end and his ultimate purpose was for him to go to the cross as a perfect sacrifice, to die on the cross for your sin and my sin and to be that ultimate sacrifice so that we can have that life in him because he's in our hearts and we're more and more like him, becoming like him. So Jesus explained to them that I must be killed and on the third day raised to life. And look at verse 22. But Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now things never go well when you try to rebuke Jesus. I, I just wouldn't recommend it. He says, never, Lord, he says, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to him, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have the mind you not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Wow, how do you think Peter felt at that moment? He was, maybe if you and I were in that situation, you'd think like, I thought you said I was a rock. Why, why are you talking to me like this now? You know, and, and Jesus, you're, you're hurting my feelings. But Jesus was saying to Peter, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but the human concerns. He was challenging Peter's thinking, thinking. He was challenging his thoughts and the things that were not lining up to what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And author Mike Breen in his book, Developing a Discipleship Culture, put it this way. Being a disciple is the invitation to closer relationship for a challenge to change, with a challenge to change in very direct yet gracious ways. And what are we changing to what? Changing to be more and more like Jesus every day. 
our gatherings on Sunday, in our community groups, in our running partners, even over a cup of coffee, are not meant to just be a place that we belong. But you and I being a disciple to walk closer with Jesus and with those around us that want to do the same, we want to respond to change in the areas that we need to be more like Jesus. And so these two qualities of of invitation and challenge determine the kind of culture that we have in our gatherings. And just have a, a chart on the screen here. If you look at those two things together, if we're in a place where there's high invitation and low challenge, it's cozy, it's convenient. You know, it's like, like a social club. But if, if it's a low invitation and low challenge, like the lower left there, it can be apathetic, it can be boring, it can be isolating, we can kind of feel lost in the crowd. But then again, if it's high challenge and low invitation, we can get discouraged and confused and distressed. But if we have a place where we have equal high invitation and high challenge, that empowers us, it, it gets relational, it helps us to change and to grow. And so these two qualities in each of our lives help us to determine the gathering, whether it's big or small, whether we're together in our relationships or, or in a group. Think about your relationships and gatherings. Because each of us have a place. One of the things that I find in my own life, each of us have a place where we have a comfort zone and we have a stretch zone. And me being pastoral, I love to just make sure everyone's safe. You know, it's okay. If you don't want to do it, that's fine. It's all right. But when we're in our safe space, when we're in our, where, where it's comfortable, then I don't grow. But when we say, God, what would, be, what would stretch me to grow more like you? That, that's where I, I realize that, that I want to be in a place where I'm not just comfortable, but I want to be growing in Jesus. And so for me, even, even standing and speaking is something that is a stretch for me. It's something that, that I enjoy doing, but it, help, it causes me to have to trust God more, to believe God more, and to be able to, to do what he wants me to do. But then we read on a little further in verse 24. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For anyone who saves his life will lose it. Whatever loses his life for my sake will find it. He talks about denying himself. That word deny talks about being to, be, to deny utterly. It, it's quite a strong word. It means to disown. It means to abstain. So what does it mean to deny ourselves? Well, we might think that it's purely a natural thing, you know, to, to sacrifice with fewer earthly possessions, to, to give away what we have, to live a minimal life in, naturally. But denying ourselves is a, is a heart attitude, denying self. Let me illustrate. You may notice that I normally wear glasses, but today I wear contact lenses when I'm speaking. And, and the problem, though, is, is I don't have any regular sunglasses to go with my contact lenses. And so because I don't have any proper lenses, I have to sometimes use one of Ruth's sunglasses. So when I'm out having to drive in my car and it's sunny, then I end up putting on another lens than the ones I should be properly wearing. And so you'd look at these and go, Mike, that is just for the camera. Hi, there you go. Um, that you might look and say, Mike, those are definitely wrong lenses. But then other lenses you might have, okay, these are, these are other lenses. They're, they're, they're sort of okay, but they're, but they're not. <laughs> but you see, the thing about lenses is this, that this is the same room, but my lenses give me a different view of the room. 
lenses affect my view of the room, that whatever lens I have affects my view of the room. And I want to suggest to you that self has three lenses that affect our view of the room. That the first lens is the individual, the individual lens. And that is what's good for me is different to what's good for others. Myself as an individual is best equipped to make decisions about my life. If my views are different from others, then I am more in tune with anyone else in my own views. And I have a sense of entitlement for I've earned it. If I know what's best for me, then I don't believe that anyone else has a right to criticize or challenge any part of my life. I need to do and make decisions for what's best for me. Individuals say, follow your heart. Jesus says, follow me. A second lens is the tribe lens. Now, obviously, naturally, there's, there's gatherings that we have. A family is a, is a mini tribe. We might have a, a social group or, or a peer group. But what this is about is the people closest to me. This is like an, extent, an expression, a wider expression of me as an individual. The people closest to me agree with me and think the same way that I do. And the place where my unique individualism can, can find comfort and safety with others, with those people. They help me cope with life. It's not, I'm not the only one that thinks and feels the way that I do. It's a place where I'm validated by others who believe and feel the way I do. It becomes my closest circle. And I'm not really looking to add any more because I have my, my circle. And you just talk about with those people that I agree with myself, not challenged by anyone else. And it becomes a bit of an us and them mentality. And I stop dialoguing with people that are not from my tribe, not from my group. I don't talk to them. And there's a pressure to stay loyal to the group. The tribe says, we follow each other. And Jesus says, follow me. And lastly, there's the consumer lens. And that's a consumer lens says, I deserve to have it my way. I'm getting my meaning and purpose from what I get. The church is a place seen to consume what I want, when I want it, rather than being challenged by others to be more, to think wider in the Jesus way. Being a consumer will always leave me wanting more, needing a bigger set fulfillment until I get restless and bored and move on. This isn't doing anything for me. I'm not getting anything from this. It leaves me feeling deeply lonely, unable to make deep and meaningful connections. I'm, un- I'm, I'm unable to look for ways to, I might give, but rather on what I can get from it. So a consumer says, what's in it for me? And Jesus says, follow me. Now, I, I can relate to some of those things in my own life that we all battle with every day in our lives. And that's what Jesus meant when he says, if anyone wants to come after me, Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The cross was where Jesus was nailed and died on the cross. And being a disciple means that I'm daily challenging, I'm daily denying, I'm daily disowning, I'm daily abstaining from these attitudes and nailing them to the cross and choosing to follow Jesus. It starts with a change of heart. Following Jesus is to be constantly aware of the need to turn against and to turn away from me, myself, and I, and turn to Jesus again. So what can that look like? It's having a perspective that we want, in everything that we do, we want to be with Jesus, 
become like him and do what he does. And I think sometimes it helps to see it more like a menu, that we don't just want to do any one thing. For us to just simply say, well, I listen to podcasts or I, I, I listen to, to, to someone speaking or I read a book. That's, that's one expression. Maybe it's seeing Sunday mornings or bringing in a, being in a community group as an opportunity to be more like Jesus and to encourage others to do the same. Maybe it's meeting with people who are challenging me to be more like Jesus. Maybe it's seeing each opportunity that we have together to encourage one another in it. Maybe it's simply inviting some people over for a meal and talking about our relationships with God. You see, because sometimes in our culture, I don't know if this is your experience, but sometimes you find that we kind of put our God times in a compartment. You know, when, when I'm meeting for my discipleship, when I'm meeting for my group, that's when I talk about God. But if I have some friends over for, for, for discussion and somebody talks about God, say, whoa, whoa, Holy Joe, just take it easy there. You know, that, that we, we can sometimes compartmentalize our time that we, that we talk about God. And so it's evaluating every part of my life to see, am I growing more and more like Jesus? But then Jesus finishes this by, by saying the thing that's most important. He says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus' final instruction in Matthew 28, he says, he says to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to obey all I commanded to you. And behold, I'm with you always to the ends of the earth. Remember last week, we we heard about that, that you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses, that the outworking of us being a spirit-filled people is that there's something that that, that will take us out to be witnesses and disciples of others. And the ultimate goal of being disciples of Jesus is that we would grow and mature for each of us ourselves to go and make disciples of others. In Colossians 1, Paul expressed it this way. He says, Him, Jesus, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And for this I toil, struggling with all His energy. Again, there's that Spirit-empowered ability for us to make a difference in other people's lives, to help each other to become more and more like Jesus. I think the thing that we really want to say in this is that in every part of our church, we want a culture that makes disciples. Being empowered by the Holy Spirit, we want the result of everything that we do in our lives, in our gatherings, to present men and women, young and old, to be mature in Christ. And that means, first of all, that we are loving one another. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another So just as I have loved you. Again, just like he said there, just as I have loved you, you must love others. That simply can mean that each of us, maybe even on a Sunday morning, we, we look for people that we can just say a quick hello and bring an encouragement to. Or maybe during the week, it, God puts somebody upon our heart or we say, God, who can I be an encouragement with just to send a text or, or a card? I think it also is serving one another. I was thinking that our serving one another makes a space for others to be more like Jesus. I think even just really practically, last weekend, last Sunday after service, Ben and Mel's community group, they served us 
with the, with the stupa and roll. And, and that was making a space for us to be more like Jesus. Because they, they themselves, they were willing, and each one of them played their part, and they did it together. They served, they served so that others would gather around to be like Jesus. And I even enabled some that, that I heard some people say that, you know, we decided that we were going to stay and just have some time that we normally would go off right away. But, but that serving made a space for people to have those relationships and those discussions to be more Christ-like. And part of serving is that it changes our hearts from being self-focused to a focus of others. And that is what being a disciple is all about. You see, we don't serve because we have to. We serve with a heart that we're making disciples. We're making a space where others can become more like Jesus. We serve in kids' work so that our kids have a space to encounter Jesus and to grow up to be more like him. We serve in the car park. We serve in in chairs, in in greeting, in projector. We serve in the crush. We serve even, we make contributions even in in our service to become more and more like Jesus. And each of us playing our part, serving on a Sunday morning, creates the space for us to become more like Jesus. And lastly, it spurs one another on. Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us consider how to stir one another in love and good works. We need each other to spur each other on. So being a family of Christ followers that makes disciples, we serve one another, we love one another, and we spur one another on to being more like Jesus. And for me, the question that I ask as I was looking at this is, is my life open to relationship? Is my life open to change? Am I a contributor to my relationship towards those around me being more like Jesus? And the one thing that I felt like God just wanted to encourage me and us the most is the fact that I hear many times God just drop a little thought in my heart that says, you know, you lack nothing. You lack nothing. That Christ is in us, that we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and we lack nothing. So let me finish just with some stories and some personal examples of how this works for me. For me, growing to be more like Jesus and helping others to do so is a number of simple little things. First of all, it's just simply giving time over a cup of coffee, going for walks, the long game of just being together with each other and talking about Jesus. And it's learning to listen well. Sometimes I feel like God just encouraging me that I need to shut up and let people talk. <laughs> you know, just let, and, and just le- learning to listen well. It's acting when, some, when someone, God puts someone upon your heart to send a text, to send a card. We don't know, as you're going to see, we don't know what those texts and those cards mean to a person that receives them. For me, sometimes it's finding answers to questions together. Sometimes when I have gatherings with folks as we're getting together, just kind of learning more about Jesus, I think sometimes it's like, let's try to stump Mike or let's try try to to ask questions they might not understand. But, But to me, I find that when we talk about things, questions that we have, our greatest fears, what if somebody asked me something that I don't know? Well, you simply say, I don't know. But then we go together. Somebody said once, well, if Jesus had wine when we have communion, why do we not have? Oh, okay. I said, well, Jesus probably didn't have anybody that struggled with drink and also gluten. You know, but, 
But then also, someone, someone said, well, okay, if you're a Christian, and then, then you lived your life with Jesus, and all of a sudden you got tricked into the mark of the beast, and you, you go to hell then? And I, and I go, what? And that was one of those moments where I go, I don't know. But what I did was I said, let's go and look at that together. And whatever the question is, however, however simple or however profound that it is, or maybe something you haven't even thought about, the moments where there's a question is an opportunity for both of us to grow. Because every time we come around those questions, it, it helps me to understand, it sharpens, it sharpens each of us, it reminds us of the truth, it draws us closer to him. Also, we just took some time if someone just wants to learn a bit about what it means to be a Christian, there's this really great little book called First Steps. I think it's about four quid. And what we, what we simply did was we just took one of the lessons and, and I, took, I took all the verses and just put them on a sheet like this. So we don't have to run through, through the Bible completely. Sometimes it's good to go look at the verses where they are, but just having all the scriptures together. And there was one of those times that we were looking at forgiveness. And we were sitting there and we were looking at the verses about how Jesus forgave us, how, how great amount of sin that we have and how God forgave us and how wonderful that is to, to know that we're forgiven. And, and then, then it said, then also, here's a verse that says, but we also must forgive others. And it was one of those moments that the penny dropped. And it's like they realized, oh man, do I need to forgive somebody? And, and it was just one of those moments around just some simple scripture where God just brings truth in our hearts that I've been greatly forgiven. So I must forgive. Even when, when we have our, our gatherings together, even just simply around a Bible study. I love when we did the Wednesday noon Bible studies. We just simply took a verse and asked, what does this tell us about God? What does this tell us about ourselves? And, and what are we going to do about this verse? And I think for me, the delight of being with people is just simply saying, am I willing to open my life and give my time to others? And so... I asked some people, I asked um, people around just different stories about what it means to be in an environment like that. And, and William and Maria Harbour, who many of you have seen, remember when the water baptism, that their son was water baptized and, and their mom and so forth. I, I just asked them to share. So in, share something about what it means for them in, to, to be in these relationships that, that help us to grow. Meeting for coffee and us meeting up for a Bible study, I feel like it gives us an extra dose of Jesus. We'll go to church on Sunday and then we'll read our Bible and it can feel like during the week we can plateau and then we go another boost on, get another boost on Sunday. When we're full of the Holy Spirit, it feels like we have holes like a sieve. When we get together, it refills us again. The more and more we do that, the more and more we grow like Jesus. Every time we meet, it's like a constant boost all the time. If we ever had a hard day or we've had a row or something's happened, you always, always pop up in a text. Every time we've had a hard time or a hard day, you pop up with a, voice, a WhatsApp message asking how we are. Also, someone else just said, you know, the key is being around people who want to be like Jesus. Because if I'm around people that are negative and not good for you, good for me, that just pulls me away, pulls me down. So in everything that we do, we want to be more and more like Jesus. And I hope my heart is not that it's something that's a specialist role, but it's something that we can do by simply saying, God, I want to open my heart, open my life to be around people that want to be like Jesus, to have a meal, to have a conversation. 
If we were to be more like Jesus, we would become more and more like him and the world around us would change. So just as a response, I'd like to ask Jacob to come up and to help us to pray to be more like Jesus. So if you're able to, if you're able to just pray with me, come on up, Jacob. Can I have a microphone there? Gotta come stand up here, buddy. Can you read that okay? Can we hold that? Okay, there you go. You read that. Thank you, God, that you sent your son to live with us. Thank you that we was a perfect example of how we should live our lives. I pray that we can all become more like Jesus this week and in the future. I pray that we can all grow in relation relationship with you and that you can show us more things about who you are. Amen. Amen. Give me a high five. Thank you. If we could have the band come up, please. If you're able to stand, let's just stand. We want to be more like Jesus. And I think just as we go into this this song, just in response, let's just take a minute and acknowledge what God's speaking to our hearts today. Lord, I want to be more like Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you don't yet know who Jesus is, that you're, you're on that journey, you maybe heard about him, you've heard us talk about him, or you've heard others talk about him. If you want to find out who is this Jesus that you're talking about, come and talk to me afterwards. I'd be glad to talk to you about it and, and tell you a little bit more about it. But Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you right now. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you, God, that you take us exactly where we are in all of our imperfections, in all of our challenges, in all the things that that challenge us about being a people together. You have a personal experience with us that you know us and you want us to be more like you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.